Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to What I Know Cobblers, the debrief. Oxford United 2, Northampton Town 1, digested. I'm Tom Reid and today I'm joined by Wallach regular Martin Maloney, local democracy reporter James Averill, Cobblers fans Brendan Walsh and Aidan Boyer, plus Josh Stewart from the Oxford City media team. Let's go to Josh Stewart from the Oxford City side of things first. Um, Josh, you must be ever so pleased with the result. Oh, we're absolutely over the moon. Um, the squad, the club, the staff, the fans, everyone is absolutely so proud of the team, so proud of the result because a lot, you know, a lot of these cup sets are sometimes smash and grabs. And I don't think yeah. anyone can say it was a smash and grab. No, you, we were right in their faces the entire game and no one can fairly say, oh, you didn't deserve to win. Uh, so, yeah, we were fully, fully uh, happy with our performance and it was just a night that we will always remember. So it's just a great night. <laughs> Definitely, and even the stats suggest that you were the the better team on the night. You you bossed the ball, you know, to the, uh, yeah. to the main and fully deserved the win. What was the uh, atmosphere in the camp like afterwards? I imagine they were completely ecstatic. Didn't you say there might be a few sore heads? Yeah, uh, the player, uh, the players in the clubhouse after the match, uh, they're all celebrating, they're pumping the music, all getting a uh, getting rowdy, and it was just a fantastic atmosphere to be in. And I know they'll take that uh, momentum and move forward with it into the. Uh, future games and obviously uh, because of that win we're, we've got a Shrewsbury uh, trip to Shrewsbury in a couple of weeks time which again for yeah. a club like us is going to be a great uh, great challenge and a great experience so it was great but I mean I think the one moment that all everyone in the club is still speaking about is that block from Aaron Drew because how he managed to get there in time we yeah. have no idea he just appeared and that's what everyone's focusing on and it's been absolutely brilliant about it but you need you need performances like that, and you need people to shine as stars on cup nights like that. And unfortunately for Northampton, it was you know Oxford City that did that with great individual performances and a great team performance. Let's let's go to the Northampton perspective. Let's go to Martin first, Wallach regular. Uh, you just poor all round, wasn't it, Martin? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know we're, we're all a little biased towards our own team, but I, I can't disagree with the word that that Josh has said. Um, it was uh, insipid, um, poor, very, very poor. None of this takes at all takes away from from Oxford. But I think, as I um, as I said to a couple of people, work, actually talking to people at work, I mean, I'm, I work down in Milton Keynes, um, and most people, it is a mixture of people supporting different clubs. But you know, that few people watched it, knowing there was going to be some banter with me the next day. But the the moment, more than anything, is that clearance. That clearance is just like an amazing moment 
in any kind any kind of game. But I think I think what really really nails it for me, um, and it's maybe a bit of a cliche, but when you beat a team a few leagues above, and and I'd say you know the you know the, there's a significant gap between the Conference North and and League One. You expect the goalkeeper to be man of the match. You expect a centre half to be man of the match. It's or you know a creative player has had the game of his life, and you know the the woodwork is still rattling. And you know it was none of that. Simply, Oxford wanted it more. Oxford City wanted it more. Cobblers, with the exception probably of Hoskins and of Holmes when he came on. There was a marked lack of determination, heart. It was really painful to to sit through. And, you know, at 1-1, one, at one, one, I think the commentator said at one point, you know, for all Northampton fans getting angry about how much we're slagging their team off, played like this, and you're still well in it and, could prob- you know, could probably win it from here. So, you yeah. know, I think, you know, don't take nothing away from from Oxford City's day. I, I like Oxford City. I think I've mentioned to you, Tom, probably this time last year I was down there because we were playing all our FA Cup games on Sunday and I went to watch Dulwich Hamlet there. So, um, yeah, you know, I've, Good club. I, 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 loved, I loved it down there. I thought it was a lovely, friendly friendly club. Unfortunately, you know, I, I, I probably hurt from the 2-1 defeat a lot more this time than I did when um, I watched the Hamlet lose there. So, um, yeah, I think I think... Kudos to Oxford. I thought, you know, it was some great, great work up front from them. Had our defenders on, on, the, on the rack, which we're used mm. to from teams up at our level. But I thought, we put up no fight at all. Yeah. Um, that is the bit that for me is, is unforgivable and has me asking serious questions of the, the culture at the club. Yeah, that seems a fair summary. James, let's go to you. What concerns me, I won't go into it too much, but there just seemed to be no coherency in, in our play at all. I couldn't describe to you what our game plan was apart from just try and, you know, try and affect a couple of moves up the pitch. There didn't seem to be any game plan, whereas Oxford City, the passing was fairly slick. You know, they're playing in nice, neat triangles, moving the ball about. James, what do you think about our, our, our game plan and does that concern you or, or a lack of one? Yeah, well, it was interesting because I actually know the physio at Oxford City, a lad called Aidan, who I went to university with. So we'd been having a chat before the game. He was kind of asking me a bit about, you know, us, what kind of football we play. And I said, well, you know, we're caught in between a rock and a hard place at the moment as to whether we kind of want to continue with this long ball game uh, that, that worked so effectively for us last year, but then trying to play a bit more football this year. Uh, last night, it was a struggle to say what the tactic was uh, because we didn't do either well we you know there were short simple passes I think it was one instance where Christopher Misselu just passed literally straight to an Oxford player in the middle of the pitch yeah. and you're thinking god you know is it is it come to this we can't even do a, a simple kind of 10 10 yard ball forward um, and then we didn't even make it difficult with the long balls up front you know that the Oxford defenders absolutely nullified everything that we did, but it was just such, um, you know, I, I was saying to the to the Oxford City physio that I was reasonably confident because under Keith, we've tended to beat the teams that we should and not lose to teams uh, that, that we shouldn't, with all due respect to Oxford City. But, you know, last night, you, you couldn't, it, it wasn't even a close contest, I didn't think. Oxford City were just better 
both tactically and technically as well. You know, the first touches of some of our players last night was absolutely horrific. And you saw Oxford, I know people will say about the pitch and that, but for me, the pitch affects things like bounces. I'm talking about first touches here when the ball's played into your feet. You know, Oxford Oxford City were just so much better technically than us last night and played really nice football, good interchanges between the midfielders. I was really impressed with their midfield. Um, uh, And Roberts and Ashby and McEachran, I thought, were all played excellently. And um, we just couldn't live with them. There was just no plan. And uh, yeah, you could write an essay on how bad we were last night. But I think ultimately, you just have to say fair play to Oxford City. They absolutely deserved it. It was almost a bit like when we went to Liverpool and yes, yes. You know, it, it, this is how we're feeling today, how the Liverpool fans felt, where you, you couldn't have any complaints about the result. You were just hands down outplayed by a team um, below you in, in, in the football pyramid. And you've just got to say hats off. They absolutely deserve it. The good news for Oxford City fans is we beat Shrewsbury, so they should be absolutely tearing them apart. <laughs> Definitely a winnable, a winnable tie, that one. You were talking about, you know, the, the game plan and the tactics and stuff. I, I raised a few, raised an eyebrow before the game when I saw Mizzoulou, the only established centre mid, you know, in a game like that to, to, with Oxford, you know, known for their, their their high press and their ability on the ball, to have one centre midfield. Sam Hoskins was just milling around in centre mid. There was no dynamism throughout the, the midfield at all. So that was an, an obvious pro- problem throughout. Um, let's go to Brendan, who I always pegged down as a, a positive Cobblers fan. Like, what <laughs> positives can you take out from last night, Brendan? N- not many. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I've kind of, you know, we've given it a little bit of time before we jumped up on here to digest it because I was sat there last night, like, you know, really struggling um, to make any sense of it. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of negativity around Cobblers even when we, even when we play well, let alone when we play as bad as we did last night. And it kind of annoyed me because it was like a, a lot of a lot of what you want to say. People think, you know, people would say that the performance against maybe Bristol Rovers or, or Plymouth was bad or something. And I'm like, you've used all the superlatives and adjectives, you know, so that's something like tonight. It's really hard or last night even is really hard to, you know, kind of show just how bad that was. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I would say. Um, I, I don't get too negative on Curl that often. I, I think he's he is underrated, but last night is the most tactically wrong he's got it, in my opinion. The three at the back and, and Corbella in the hole or whoever, you know, moved there throughout the match didn't work from the first minute to the last minute. Um and the second half, you know, the first half was bad, but at least we went in one one, like the commentator pointed out. But the second half I, honestly, I think other than that Hoskins volley, you know, and then some free kicks at Ricky Holmes one, there was not one single piece of positive play. There was a few passages where we'd kind of weather a storm. We'd, we'd you know, uh, Oxford would, would earn a set piece or come and have a shot or something and they hold the ball for two, three minutes and then Mitchell would get a goal kick and he kicked it straight out and then they come back at it for two, three minutes and then we'd take a short kick that time and then the centre-back would kick it straight out or kick it someone and we lose the header. And, and it was like, we're literally just surrendering possession and giving it up, um, you know, and all credit to Oxford, but to a team 64 positions below us. It's like, it doesn't matter whether you're playing a Premier League team or a Conference North team. If you give up the possession like that, it's it, you, you're asking for trouble. We clearly set up to play a little bit of football, but it didn't work with that formation. And there was no confidence on the ball on that surface. And 
Cole did point out afterwards that obviously Oxford will play that surface better than, than we do. And anyone that's played Sunday League knows the differences between 4G and grass and, and what you're going to get. But you think at some point in the match, like you see that and you adjust tactically. Or if, if you're one of the players, you adjust your game. Horsfall got caught out by the bounce and, and, and letting the ball run and, and not judging it right. Like five or six times, you know, and it's yeah. it got to the latter stages of the game. And it was like all these things, kind of like I said the other week, like, you know, individually with Harry Smith when his head goes down and then that makes you play even worse. It was like every ball stuck to an Oxford player and every touch of ours or pass of ours went went skew with. And then for the last 15, 20 minutes, I said at 70 minutes, I was like, it's done. Like, there's no way, unless Ricky Holmes, like, bashes in a free kick or something, there's no way we'll get anything out of this because... And I don't like yeah. saying that, oh, the heart's gone, the desire's gone, the head's gone down, you know, because I, I think that's said too often. But last night, that last 20 minutes, none of the players, they were all like, this, I can't play here. I can't do this. This isn't working. And they gave up. And you yeah. will not catch me saying that again. That's the first time. That's the worst performance I've yeah. seen in, in a couple of years. And then to add all of that, Oxford turned up and played amazing. But that's what it takes. You know, we have, we've yeah. had our cup, cup upsets. And, and they did it to us. So fair enough and, and, and credit to them. But we didn't yeah. deserve anything from it. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree with most of that. I don't think we should go in about the, the pitch too much, though, because I just think a good player can adapt to any pitch. They had a, a long, you know, good few days to prepare. They were talking, a couple of were talking about they've been practising on, you know, an artificial pitch. And like I said, a good player should be able to adapt. Mm. For me, the, the concern, it's been probably, I think, throughout the whole period of, Cole's tenure at the club is the lack of comfort on the ball from quite a few, few of our players and I always make this point that I couldn't tell you who in our team are good at football or are comfortable on the ball because you, it's very hard to tell we our players so rushed all the time I, I noticed a couple of balls like been mentioned earlier were just passed to the opposition or just a just a, an hit and hope diagonal to no one and Oxford actually showed they were pretty comfortable on the ball and David Oldfield had them playing some good stuff um in terms of the sort of positivity and the negativity of of cobblers fans i just, i think from some fans probably you know a fair number there there is an underlying unhappiness with with the style of play and although cobblers fans we haven't had the best teams over the years for a lot of times we do actually know we, it does actually make us know what bad football is and yeah. we, we do actually yearn for a bit you know a bit of a more of a passing game and i think maybe that despite results being okay and obviously very good towards the end of last season, there is an underlying unhappiness through quite a few fans about the way Keith Curl plays. I'll bring um, Aidan Boyer in now. Um, Aidan, do you think that Cobblers fans is over negative, or do you think that that was, you know, fair enough criticism last night? Um, I don't think it's over negative at all, really. I think when you look at it, when you're playing a team three tiers below, obviously no disrespect to Oxford City, they played. You know, they did their job to perfection, you know, as the underdog came here, you know, took the fight to Northampton and did exactly what they needed to do. But I think when you're playing a team that low down, we're expected to win. I think the negativity is fair because throughout the game, and I think a lot of time this season, it feels like the players sort of don't really know how to react to when things go wrong. I think, you know, we got that early goal quite, you know, a few minutes in and we look comfortable for the first five, ten minutes of the game. But as soon as that equaliser comes, it sort of feels like, you know, we don't know how to react to that. It sort of seems like Kells don't know what to say to the players or what tactical changes to make. And I feel like, especially when you look at that second half, um, for the last, I say, half an hour, 40 minutes, I won't be able to tell you what player was playing in what position and what the players are meant to be doing. I mean, I think at one point, yeah. 
Corbello was playing left back and we had Rose out on the wing and Holmes playing in defensive midfield. And I feel like it's just uh, down to maybe it's the tactical errors and sort of not knowing what to do. But it's also, I think, coming into that game, when we saw the team sheet and how we were playing, it seems like it's a bit of a lack of respect for a team three tiers below. You know, I think we're maybe we're expecting quite a comfortable game, you know, maybe based off last year's cup one or maybe it's based off what we think of the, uh, our uh, strength. But, you know, naming one central midfielder and then coming out playing the way we did, it just it felt like a bit of a lack of respect to a team that clearly wanted it and deserved the win in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's a really good point. I, I'd, everyone's pointed to Joe Martin as has been a very weak link for Cobblers, especially last night. And you look at some of, some of his defending to give the penalty away and it just seems that, you know, if, if you'd have said that he would, was the guy from the National League South, I think that, you know, National League South fans would still say that was a poor performance. Um, let's not sort of, you know, dwell on the negatives too much in terms of Cobblers. Let's... And, who stood out for you from Oxford City, Josh? Because for me, James Roberts, I thought, you know, his movement was very intelligent. Got a well-earned goal. He, he stood out for me, but that was quite a few probably from your end. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think you could fault a single one of our players. Anyone who was on that pitch for any amount of time uh, in that game played their hearts out. And I don't think, you know, obviously Roberts did, uh, like you said, he scored a very good goal. Um, he earned a penalty, didn't stop running. Benyon, when he came on, you know, just a bit of experience up top and immediately won a penalty just because he didn't let the uh, Northampton uh, defenders have that time on the ball to get it under control. And so when you individually go through, and of course, you ca- I can't not mention Drew again, because that was just an incredible uh, moment. But you, you, when you go through the team, there's absolutely no one who you could say, oh, you know what, he could have done a, done a bit more. Like I think so, someone else mentioned McEachran. His, the ball just stuck to his feet. He could wiggle his way through any amount of players. And that he was, they were just enjoying their football. And I think that was one of the most key things that helped Oxford uh, win that tie because they were they were actually there to enjoy it and um, something that because I, I was there uh, in the stands reporting it and I don't think you might you might not have heard this on the cameras but one of the Northampton coaches was sitting on my left and he was about 50 minutes in he was absolutely screaming at the Northampton front line for not doing their jobs properly and he yeah, tore into uh, I think it was Benny Ashley Seal mm. for not holding the ball up and yes, obviously Absolutely useless. So, and that, that top right. So, unfortunately for him, that means all the Oxford players could also hear what he was telling him. So, suddenly we all knew that what, what Northampton wanted to do was get the ball up to Benny Ashley Seal, and so he can hold it up and then bring everyone else forward. Mm. But because of the Oxford defenders heard that, they immediately changed their game plan, made sure he didn't have the time to do that. And then, yeah. before you knew it, about 60 minutes, Ashley Seal and the coach were just showering at each other. One of them saying, hold up. The other saying, I can't, they're too quick. I and mean, just the entire thing broke down. And I think you've got to give credit to Oxford for being able to adapt to a team as, if, you know, if we're brutally honest, your team has got a lot more experience. You've got a, a, a lot of quality players. And if, uh, Oxford's showing the quality to adapt to that and manage to uh, literally nullify. Benny, Benny Ashley Seal, was he on loan from a Premier League club? Yeah, he's permanent now. Yeah, oh, we, permanent now. Right? We signed him from Wolves for, for an undisclosed fee, which no one's been able to figure out as far as I, I know, but he's not really done a lot. Well, we, oh, you know, if you come from the Wolves Academy, it's quite a good uh, statue to come from. So the fact that we were, we were able to do that, is, I think it's just, again, te- huge mm. testament to the players. And I, honestly, I could not be more proud of them. Yeah, we were never going to win the game by just a one-dimensional game plan of trying to have Ashley Seal holding the ball up because... There was just too much running and movement from Oxford to sort of affect that sort of game plan. So, you know, we needed a little bit more. We just 
we just didn't need it. Um, let's go to the the go through the goals a little bit. The first cobbler's goal was a bit of a soft one. We'll we'll take them. A bit of a soft one. Um, Sam Hoskins. It was a good little bit of movement from Sam. I think the number eight from Oxford City lost him completely, and he was just able to first time shot home. Bit of a you know, I think it should have been saved personally, but um, yeah, that that one went in, and that gave Cobblers, you know, it, the foothold they needed in the game. Can't get much more of a better start than that. Insert, insert yourself on the game. That should have been the platform to move on. But like we talked about, no dynamism through the centre midfield, no coherent passing, and uh, you know, City were uh, allowed back into the game. I go to. Martin on this one actually your namesake uh, uh, Martin was out muscled by Roberts for the uh, to head home Martin what did you think of that goal it just seems that, that a you know league one standard defender shouldn't be beaten that easily there's so many things wrong with that goal um, the, from our point of view obviously <laughs> yeah the cross probably shouldn't have come over which is the point that Mitchell made and I think Martin Martin's got to be stronger and Mitchell can probably intervene. You know, I think there's a whole load of things have gone wrong there to to allow the Ox player to to score. But then he stuck it. He's done his job. Potentially three of our players haven't. Um, and you know, it wasn't you know Martin's last um, disaster of the night. No, James. You really don't want to see those goals conceded, especially from a Keith Cole side. Keith Cole was a high-level defender. He actually played for England for one game. He was actually international. Um, Keith Cole is, is known as a, a sort of a, a disciplinarian in many ways. And, you know, last season we had a well-drilled unit. This season seems to have gone to part on that discipline has gone as, as a defensive unit, James. Yeah, I mean, quite, where, where do you even start with some of the defending last night? It was... It was it was a horror show, frankly. I mean, getting on to kind of, I mean, Martin's talked about the first goal, but the the one thing that really concerns me in terms of discipline is the amount of stupid penalties we're giving away. Mm. And I, we talked about this, I think it was after the Charlton get, game, was it? Or, uh, we, But yeah, we've given away so many stupid penalties this year. It's, it's ridiculous. And you do mm. question what is going through the player's head when they make, sorry, it was the Wigan game, wasn't it? Harriman gave that penalty away. It was pretty much an identical challenge yesterday, wasn't it? Where they've been beaten by the wide player. And rather than kind of accepting you've lost that particular battle with, with the winger and letting them cross and taking your chances that they're not going to score the, from the cross, you just hack them down and give them a free shot from 12 yards. I mean, it's just not the it's not the correct decision to make. Um, and then, you know, we fortunately get let off. And then, a few, you know... 20 minutes later, we do another daft challenge. And I'm all for kind of like, you know, you know, let's talk about formations and, and things like that. But you can't quantify if you're Keith Curl, players making decisions like that. You just can't. Yeah. That's not down to Curl. That is down to individual choices from defenders. And yeah. the most frustrating thing is, it's not youth or young players making these decisions. It's been uh, Martin getting sent off at Bristol Rovers. It's, it's been Bolger hacking down for the penalty at Bristol Rovers, Harriman for hacking down at the the penalty for Wigan, Missalou at Swindon, and then Horse and um and Martin today. So these are all experienced players. They should know better. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point. I, I I've literally no idea. I used to play 
little bit in defence myself. I've literally no idea what Martin was doing for the, the first penalty. To let the you know the guy goes past you, fair enough, but just to you know tackle from behind. You know you're playing you're playing with fire in so many ways. Um, I'll bring Brendan in. Uh, the second goal was a penalty. Mm. Elliot Benyon comes on, who's a wily operator. I remember him playing for Torquay back in the day. I'm surprised he's still playing, but he's he's actually only 33. Um, just an experienced operator, a league standard player. He comes on. They must have scouted him, and he gets you know the better side of Horsfall. Horsfall um, hauls him over, and they get a second penalty, like a second bite of the cherry. Like, what do you make of that, that Brendan? I, I do agree with James. I think there's only so much you can say tactically and you have to look at the basic and the fundamentals of, of your defending. But also, like like James said, they're seasoned, experienced professionals and, and, and they all play at a much higher level than that. I don't. I think it's a mix of the two. I think the formation, the, the back three yesterday, regardless of the, the kind of the bluntness up front, the, the back three was constantly outnumbered on, on second balls. And it was it was like Sunday league stuff, like... Horsfall for that goal got caught out in the same way um, two or three other times that then, uh, you know, just the penalty where he let the ball go over his head. So he went with the striker, didn't challenge for the header, and then it's bounced over him and he's turned around, whether you want to blame it on the pitch or whatever, but he's turned around and realised that the, the striker's turned him. And that time he sat on top of him and gave away the pen. He sat on top of him, gave another foul, and then another time he let the guy go and he had a run on goal. That is from, if you have a back four... Everybody knows Sunday league, schoolboy defending. One goes in front to head the ball with the striker, and the other one drops back as a cover. That is a back four, two centre backs, one in front, one behind, long ball. It's I don't know whether that's like a lapse of concentration or lack of communication that no was covering him, or or something that Oxford worked on because it's easier to to isolate in those situations of the back three. But that's what was so frustrating last night was it was like I feel it was a mix of tactics and and, and you know. Um, individual errors but they're better than that we're better than that if we played like that every week in league one we'd be we'd be bottom with zero points like it and and it's scary because it's not that hard for other teams to see and to do I can only hope that there was so little cohesion with that team or you know all chopped and changed and resting a few players last night that it's a one-off but that's what's worrying is it's such like honestly I I play Sunday league and I'd be pissed off if, if we concede those goals and that's yeah. you know, and you're looking at League One professional football players now, and it's mm. just you know, it wasn't good enough. In, in and it was so like pull your hair out, frustrating to to be to get yourself off the hook with just a numb skull Martin challenge, which you know maybe he could nick the ball or not. But that that horseful one is like it's tactical as well as it's individual. It's it's a mix of the two, and it should never happen. Yeah, yeah, and and in terms of. Chopping and changing, I felt really sorry for Morgan Roberts, actually. I, I'm not a fan of Keith Cole's habit of throwing young players in, uh, you know, just into the, into, the, into the deep end to an extent in, you know, not bedding them in in a, you know, a gradual fa- fashion, just throwing them in in quite difficult games. I remember there was that game, was it, was it Shoes, a young lad, a defender he put in one time, it, you know, just a really difficult game. And, you know, I think sort of Morgan deserves a bit better than that. I felt sorry for Caleb Chukwamika to an extent as well. I think he, I think he, it, it'll be touch and go. If I was him personally, if, F, if you know, um, bids or come in, offers come in for him, if he, if he stays at the club personally, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd think twice with Keith Cole's record with young players. But um, let's bring in, quickly bring Josh in because did it seem like Cobbler doing disarray tactically watching on the side? What were the, what was Keith Cole and, um, you know, his, 
rest of his staff doing it, you know, throughout the game. You talked a bit about, um, you know, that the, the coach shouting from the side, but did it look like our game plan was just shot? Um, to be honest, half of the stuff I heard from the Northampton bench was just shouting at the ref uh, for all the fouls Oxford to get in. Uh, that was most of it. And then I think they did, I think at half time, there seemed to be a slight change in the plan because, like I said, like Hoskins before in the first half, he was getting forward a lot more. And yeah. he was, he was, you know, again, that's why, that's why he scored the goal. He appeared in the box and he was, he was doing that a bit more. But as soon as the second half changed, he kind of dropped back. And he was, I saw him a lot of times helping out defensively. And I don't, I don't know if that's his natural role, but um, that's what he seemed to be doing. It's like, oh, OK, so you're kind of playing as if you're the team on the back foot now. Because now you've got a lot more players behind the ball. And you've, like, like I said, you've just got Benny Ashley Seal up front. And unfortunately, he didn't hold up the ball very well. I mean, you've got, I think, is it Marshall on the wing? And he he wasn't uh, getting the ball a lot. And I think at that point, like like, like a lot of the fans thought, it was just, can we act, are we actually going to get anything from this game? Or is it everything just going to go against us? And, you know, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Keith Carl. I don't know him enough to comment on his uh, prowess as a manager. Obviously, you have to do well to get a job like Northampton. But it did seem that, I think, one, he underestimated Oxford. And... Yeah. Um, I think uh, I read on the BBC Sport one of his uh, post-match comments was a lot of players were knocking, were banging on his door asking for game time, mm. and he used this game to give him that opportunity. And whilst I respect that, you know, you've got to give the younger players a, a chance. You know, you can't yeah. solely just expect them to turn up, beat a team that's high on confidence five 0 in the first round of the FA Cup, yeah. and everything's great. Like you can't expect that. So I think there's a little bit of underestimating Oxford, a little bit of like you, like you said earlier, throwing some young players in the deep end. And I also just think that whoever Oxford scouted, whoever they talked to, just did a really good job and just made sure that Northampton couldn't play their game. But from what I've heard so far this evening, even if Northampton could play their game, we're not entirely sure what that game is at the moment. So... Like, like you said there, I, I don't, I can't tell you last night. Like the starting positions for me, that was the whatever you want to say the formation problem was, but the starting positions of that formation was completely and utterly wrong and hasn't been more wrong all season. When we, when you Oxford had the ball, we weren't sat deep and we were outnumbered. But then when we had the ball and we were trying to go forward, we were isolated and not enough numbers. And then you won every battle by you know, crowding out the midfield. So it was like, where where is the actual numerical advantage on the pitch? Because we're not sat forward and we're not sat deep and we're not crowding the middle. We were literally nowhere. It was, uh, yeah. it, you know, it was uh, honestly mystifying. I can't, I, I haven't seen, that's as bad a performance I've seen probably since 6-0 at home to Bristol Rovers a couple of years back and definitely the worst under Curl's tenure. Um, and I just, I know a lot of it is so individual, but I just think he has to take a little bit more blame than, you know, the starting position and, and, and what he's asked players with who are skilled, like you said, what he's asked them to go and do against the team that will, teams like that will always want it more than you. Of course they will. Like, uh, I, I don't think we should kid ourselves. They, they, they've just been to their full-time jobs in the day. Of course they're going to want an FA Cup upset more than you're going to want to go play these teams. That's natural. Yeah. So you have to have things, you know, 10 out of 10 set up almost probably more than any other game. It's just, it was it was comical at points last night. You have to laugh because otherwise you'd cry. Yeah, good point. And the the prize money is always useful as well, especially as you progress further with um, the lockdown. Uh, I wouldn't sort of turn my nose up at getting through because Shrewsbury are beatable. We you know if we'd have won this game, it's, it's Oxford's challenge now. But we, we could have looked at a, 
around three ties. So it's just one of those things. It was, it was, a, it was a poor performance overall. I've, I was looking at social media this morning and there's a few people talking about Kerlau as, as there always is. As, as probably there should be to an extent in, in, a, in an absolute abject disgraceful performance like that. You know, I'm, I'm probably slightly more level-headed in terms of looking at the bigger picture. But um, let's go to you, Martin. You're always a kind-hearted, sort of uh, level-headed guy. Do you think that Kerlau's under pressure now? Very, very much so. Um, okay. I'm not one of the Kerlau brigade. Um but I think, as um, as someone better than me said, as, as the facts change, I change my opinions. Um, we've got a run of games. The last few games we've had in the league have been real, a lot of tough ones where you know they, they were going to be. It was going to be tough to pick up many points. We had this cup game and then a run of league games that we've got to be looking to take points from. I'd suggest the next couple of weeks are probably really key for for Keith Keith Curl's future and and for the for the sort of team's future in in the division. Now, last season the FA Cup seemed to be part of what sparked a really good run. I remember going to Chippenham and Big Vidane getting his first goal, um, and then you know that other you know wins at um, you know, beat was it Notts County and. Um, then the great winner at Burton. So it's like you know, it it was it it seemed to feed into a um a general sort of feel good thing. And you know, I guess Curl's hope there's you know a lot of ours would have been you know you know nice morale boosting three nil win away somewhere we we should beat them, and that then leads on to some people thinking oh you know election decisions to make for the for the right reasons. Instead, though, it's so, and this is the bit that really scares me. It's like, well, the spirit didn't seem to be there. Now it might be because of a bit of a disjointed, a strange team selection. But the the things where we think, well, we lost three really three very good centre halves, you know, for some reasons beyond our control last season, and we've had a good different combinations of three centre halves that have all looked pretty pretty rubbish against League One teams. I think the wake-up call is, well, three of them have played against the Conference North side and have looked worse than ever. And that is that is really scary. Now, you know, I've often talked when people accuse Curl of being inflexible, remind people about Carlisle United away last season, um, a year and a bit ago last season, just before we played in the first round of the Cup, where we've been playing four, four, uh, four at the back, um, Changed it at half time to three at the back, and we it kind of started that really good run we we're on. Just don't see the sense in persisting with, with what we're doing at the moment. Um, I think you've got a couple of people who are perfectly competent fullbacks in in Martin and um, Harriman. You've probably you, you could pick any any of the centre halves. You know, no none of them could complain about being left out, and you go with a different system with a bit more width. Um, you know, sort of ranting, ranting on here just about what I do, but I think the key is change would do it, and you know, get our creative players out wide in more wide positions, and then you know, either you know, one one up front and someone like a Hoskins behind, or um, two up front, but need to do something different um, because what we're doing ain't working, and I think Ox, Oxford has shown that it's not just people finding their feet at a certain level, it's stuff that's fundamentally flawed. Sure. I guess the question is whether Keith Cow is, you know, has enough tactical now, or is tactically flexible enough to change it, or is he 
is he you know in his heart wedded to the what you know I call cowboy the successful uh, tactics on last season. James, do you reckon that Keith Cole needs to be cut a little bit of slack, or do you think it's fair that he's looking over his shoulder? I think with social media, any defeat gets heightened, as is any any victory to an extent. Um, I think the normal kind of reaction we get to a defeat is what you would expect for what we were served up last night, in a sense. Um, I think the frust- it's weird because with Keith. I can't, I still, after what, he's been in charge, what, two years, I still can't work out whether I like him or not. Yeah, it's yeah. Sort of, a bit like kind of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he goes through kind of like a crisis and then it, he'll, he'll pull it out, he'll get the results that he needs to kind of steady the ship again. And it's almost like that to an extent with with Curl. But I'm, I don't know, I just feel like he makes it more difficult for himself at times than he needs to. Uh, I'm a big fan of just playing players in their positions, and the problem with playing three five two at the moment, especially when you've got um, you know Mills out injured, is that we're trying to get Mark Marshall or Nicky Adams to do this fullback role, and that just effectively stunts their net, their natural game. You know, yeah. I'd rather play a system where you've got players in their proper positions. So Harriman is at right back, Martin is at left back, and Marshall and Adams are playing as wingers. Whereas at the moment we you know. We saw last night, Matt Marshall is not a wing-back. You know, let's get that straight. And I just feel like he's making it more difficult than he needs to for himself at times. I think we should just pick a formation that suits the personnel that you've got at the time. Fair enough, when you've got everyone fit, you might think, yeah, let's go 3-5-2. That's my favourite formation. And if the players fit that, like when Mills is playing, he's a good wing-back. That's why he plays in that formation. But Joe Martin is not a centre-back, so he shouldn't be playing there. And he's not a left wing-back either. He's, he's like a left-back. Um, and I just feel, let's pick a formation based on the players that we've got available to us, play players in their natural positions and and, and see what happens. Because I just feel like he's making it a bit too difficult for himself at the moment. Brendan, let's bring you here. Let's sort of flip it on its head a bit because people are saying, some people are saying, curl, curl out, it's always a minority. Flip it on his head. Okay, give Kel the boot who do you bring in realistically and is it you know would it be the right time for the football club to change another another manager in short it's not a good time no and 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 uh I said to some some mates right at the beginning of the season I was like unless we're like 24th with zero points at Christmas you know I think we should do like what Burnley did with Sean Dyche and and stick with Carl for a long time because forget football all the all the stuff going on outside at the moment we do not, you know, we can be one of the, we could be like a, a, a Torquay or a Leighton Orient or someone that goes up to League One and then shoots right back out if we're not careful. And we've got to remember what he has done. But I think what's, what last night was abhorrent. It was awful. It was as bad, it was the worst game in, of, of Carl's tenure, right? But we changed a lot. And going into that, we, we'd said after the Charlton game, he's got massive five games because we played three or four of the top eight, right? And then we won against Wigan. We've got a draw against a, a good football-holding MK side that we statistically did better and hit the woodwork and could have won 1-0, right? Four points from those two games. This was a bit of a free hit. It was the FA Cup. It's not worked. He's changed around a lot. You know, I'm not I'm not having a go at anyone else on, on, on this chat at the moment. I think everyone knows their stuff. But we're looking at, the, you know, none of those three centre-backs, other than Horsfall, the other two are not the starting centre-backs. It's Bolger and Sheehan, who's looked a lot better in the tier three games he's come in. 
we got our first clean sheet against um, MK, who, who are a good attacking side. There's, mm. I don't think, you know, we wouldn't be saying erect a statue to curl because we beat Oxford 2-0. Let's not, you know, it was awful and there's a lot to learn and he sh- we can, you know, we can be angry at it. But also, you know, let's react in, this is something Cobbers fans we never do. I think there's kind of like a sadism. There's almost like, we love being right about how shit we are or something. But it's like, our, our goal this season is 20th. That is it. Like, we are overachieving if we get anything more. We've got, with the way we got promoted and, and everything that went on last season, we we didn't, like, win the league with the best player and the best defence. We scraped through but because of, you know, points per game. And our two best games of the season were in this, the second semi-playoff final, and the final, right? And we saved our two best games for that and we got promoted off it. 20th is the goal. And right now we're, what, 17th? And I saw, um, you know, a good mate, I retweeted it off, off the Shoe Army earlier. If we win on on uh, Saturday against Accrington, who haven't played for three or four games because of COVID and they lost their uh, FA Cup game to Tranmere, if we beat them, we're 11th, okay? That is the goal now, is 20th. And it was awful last night. It was crap. There's some players there that that can't, you know, complain to Curl about game time. He made some awful decisions and he's he's learning his lesson. But let's get back in line now, switch back on. The last league game was was a, a clean sheet, a, a positive result, even if it was boring. That's what we've got to do. We've got to grind out this season. We've got to find some way of get, picking up points. And Atkinson Stanley, that's the next opportunity to do so. That What else is out there, really, that, that's better than Curl, especially in the current climate? We've just spent you know, ages with him signing 13, 14 players that fit his system. And and we saw what happened when we got rid of, of, of Jimmy, when he did the same thing, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Mm. You end up with a squad of players that, that the, the new manager doesn't want. Cole's only just got rid of the last bunch that he didn't want and put in what he wants. <laughs> Let's give him a little bit more time. I'm not saying he definitely deserves it right this minute, but we kind of have to. Yeah, I think yeah. if, if you were going to twist my arm and say, you know, who's out there, I'd, he was presenting um, the, the FA Cup draw last night. Danny Cowley, fantastic manager, what he did with Lincoln. Not dissimilar yeah, yeah. In, in his values of football, plays good, solid, responsible football. But Lincoln have shown, you know, they've, they've taken chances and they've stayed up from what from, from him leaving. Is he going to want to come to Northampton? We love yeah, our yeah. club, of course we do, but we're a three-sided team that's over... a uh, three-sided stadium that's overachieving to be in the league that we're in. We're not that pro- big of a prospect, Okay. So let's yeah. let's show some faith in a guy that's got us promoted. Yeah. Tell him off for last it, night and get behind it because they're going to need us for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's a it's a classic it's a classic um, half, cup half full half empty scenario, isn't it? Because we're we're only a few points from eleventh, and you said we're only a couple of points from you know being pretty much bottom of the league. So it, it's at the end of the day, it's a results business. I think that um, I think there is a bit of a slight disillusionment about that when we're not one thing or the other this season. That Keith Carroll's gone on a lot about identity. I, I said at the time it was all bluster because there is no identity. The identity is falling back completely. We're just not wearing one thing or another, and I think that's where a lot of fans are just thinking: right, the football's pretty bad, the results aren't great. You know what actually has Keith? got any favour it's a cutthroat industry this is just playing devil's advocate it's a cutthroat industry and there's a lot of good managers out of work so that's the other side of it um Aidan do you sort of what's what do you what line do you take on it do you think that Curl's under pressure you know rightfully or do you think that fans should just just chill out a little bit and just see what it's like in a couple of months time uh, I think you've got to look at it as, I think if you compare it to uh Rob Page in the season that we've gone on to have by Stourbridge 
we had a pretty good start to that season coming into League One with a new manager. And that, I mean, we had a bit of a poor form just before the Southbridge game, but we lost that game. And from then onwards, we looked like a completely clueless team who were completely out of depth. And, and I know it's not the same sort of thing, you know, different squad of players, different manager, etc. But when you look at last season, you look at the, the Chippenham game, we played a National League South side away from home. We've got a comfortable win. And that cup run, like uh, we've heard earlier, was so crucial to our good form and our sort of confidence and fans being so positive. And as much as... You know, I, I can understand the the pressure on Curl from fans because you know it's it's happens to every club up and down the country when you lose a few games. I think we need to sort of be a bit realistic about it. Maybe from a financial standpoint, is you know we've spent so much money in recent years on letting managers go early, and under the current situation, you know every club's struggling financially. Really, it, it might not be a smart decision from that standpoint, let alone the results and and everything else to let another manager go early, bring someone else in on the hope that they can do better, even though actually right now, like I said, you know, the target's 20th, like we've heard earlier, and we're doing all right in the league compared to what we could be doing. And it might not make sense to just bring someone in on a whim like we've done millions of times in the last 10 years and hope that that will change something. Of course, you know, Kel does need sort of a kick up the backside and maybe someone needs to sort of go up. This is, you know, it's unacceptable looking to a team three tiers below. I mean, to still sort things out and find some stability and consistency. But again, you're not going to get a stability and consistency if you're just going to chop and change managers every six months, bring in someone who, you know, might not know a lot about the club, has got to work with a load of players that they haven't signed out of nowhere yeah. and expect a sudden change, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a really level-headed point. I'll, I'll pass back to Josh in a bit, so let, let him have the, the final word because, you know, they also deserve it. But I'll just make one final point about about you know, the management and, you know, potentially changing another manager. I think, and I've said it a few times, the best investment others can make is either a, a director of football or a sporting director. Because if Keith Carroll gets sacked, it happens every time, there's a vacuum of football knowledge at the top of the football club. So Keith Goal, Keith goes, his chief scout will, will no doubt go, who's his friend, Simon Tracy, I think his name is. Often it's the the uh, goalie coach as well so a whole raft of expertise goes and and it's like well we just bring someone else in from the merry-go-round so I really think and what they could potentially do is promote Brady to that position he's got a good knowledge of the from the you know under eights all the way through to create a consistent culture at the football club so when a manager eventually gets sacked or leaves as they always do it's not a massive upheaval and this is what Norwich City have done this is what Plymouth have done and this is a really modern approach and I really think that could be a real good investment the football club can make rather than just paying for another manager that will eventually leave or get sacked. So I really think it's down to the culture. And the, He's you know, got to have a really good shout, let's say, because I personally, I think that Curl will find a way to get results. And I personally do back him to stay up, whether it's in 20th or any higher. But let's say it, it falls apart from here and it ends up Rob Page and we don't win for the next five or six and he goes for whatever reason. John yeah. Brady's got to be... You know, if you can't go and attract a Cowley or, or someone else, I've seen someone mention Sol Campbell today. But um, John Brady's got to be in with a really good shout because, you know, you see what he's done with the under-18s the last couple of years in the FA Youth Cup and and, and bringing through players like Pollock and Chuck Wamika and uh, yeah. and then what he did at Brackley before he, he came into the Northampton setup, how long he was there, what he did with them. He's yeah. not a bad shout and I think he's one that a lot of, Cobbers fans are kind of I don't think anyone would begrudge him it even if it was a caretaker thing until we did get a name in that we wanted 
I, I, yeah. I would back him to, to to do pretty well with it. Whether he's up to the task at this level, you know, we mm. don't know. But it's not a bad name, you know, when you mention it. Yeah, I think he, I think he might even prefer, like I said, the sporting director or director of football role sitting above Keith Carl. Yeah. Not not interfering particularly, but there's an agreement on you know a particular you know a, a relevant style of play that the every team throughout the club is is, is pretty consistent and in, in most top level teams they do that so there's not a big jarring gap between what John Brady is doing in the under 18s and the first team so mm-hmm. uniformity get get everything in place and then you can say well, well okay you know fair enough we put everything in place but I don't think everything is, the docks in a row behind the scenes particularly and that like I said um, is something that they can you know look at but let's go back to Josh he can have the final word um just you know, fair play to Oxford City. Played played brilliantly. Fully deserved the win. Um, are you hopeful to you know maybe do the same against Shrewsbury in the next round? Um, well, I think an advantage we had going into the game last night was there was no pressure on us. Yeah. Uh, I don't think many people would have been surprised if we lost, uh, and so we could just play our own game. And I think it's the exact same going into the Shrewsbury game. Obviously, Oxford will go on there and they won't just roll over. They'll give Shrewsbury a game. But if if we lose. It's, we, we've lost against a team three leagues above us. If we draw, we've done ourselves proud. If we win, we've done it again, another amazing result. So regardless of what, I know the players will you know, make sure the fans are proud and that's all that matters. So uh, we could potentially, I'm not going to categorically say, oh yeah, we'll lose or we'll win because we just can't tell. We have no idea what injuries might happen before then. If uh, COVID gets any worse, it might have to get postponed or there's a yeah. whole range of different things that can come into play. But Whatever happens, it's an away game against a League One club in the FA Cup, and the club is absolutely going to love it. And the money will help, especially for a club of our size. So it'll be a great game, and hopefully, we'll get the same kind of result as we did last night. Because I know you guys aren't too happy about it, but I've been buzzing all day about it. <laughs> Congrats. You can rub it in, mate. Rub it in. That's that's no, great. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy every second of it, mate. It's brilliant. We we had Anfield in 2010, and we still go on about it. <laughs> we we played in Derby last year, and and uh, you know it's that I I'm I'm more upset because I love the FA Cup so much, and I was a bit annoyed at Carl afterwards, kind of saying like, ah, oh, you know, we sacrificed the cup, but now we can focus on the league. It's like it's one it's something that I really enjoy, you know, of a club this size. And and as angry as I am that we we're out, I'm so happy for you guys, and and I, and I hope you guys go on to the next round and and further on than that. It'd be amazing to to be a part of the story. Josh, can I ask the the pressing that you did last night? Is that like a real like key part of your game? Because I think some people might look at it and think it's a non-league team like you know running running the nuts off and that. But from speaking to kind of like the, the physio, he said that you've had real success this year in terms of teams not being able to break down that press, and it sounds like you've absolutely mastered it down to a T. I've got to say, just from a kind of footballing perspective, it's probably one of the best pressing games I've seen in, in a few years against us, to be honest. Yeah. So it's like a big part of your your kind of style of play at the moment. Uh, yeah, every game so far this season, and even in pre-season, we've played the same way. Uh, regardless of formation, everyone is pressing, everyone is always running, no one's giving any opposition player time on the ball to, you know, potentially pick out that pass or play in that winger so it is definitely David Oldfield's preferred style with this team he's built the team around that and I think you can we can all agree looking after last night the players all suit that there's no, there wasn't one player on Oxford which um, my dog's just gone wild but um, <laughs> there wasn't one player in Oxford that didn't absolutely run themselves into the ground and it obviously as you can see you get into the team three leagues above it works and it is yeah. very hard to play against just why teams like 
I'm not, I'm no, I'm not categorically not saying we're like Liverpool or Leeds, but it's the same kind of style. It's just very hard to figure out how to get, uh, how to play against it. So as long as we can keep us up, we can, we can be in for a very promising season. Yeah, it takes a lot of fitness as well to do that. So for a part-time team, you know, kudos, mm. hats off to you guys for that. It's absolutely brilliant. We we put a little um a little poll on on Twitter saying talking about David Oldfield, and I, I think it was of something like fifty percent, you know, to, to have a look. If cobblers should have a look at David Oldfield as a manager, and quite a few cobblers fans said said we should. So you want to keep hold of him because he just seems like a manager that's going places. Oh, yeah, he's an absolute. He's got he's already got pedigree. He's a Peter Brown. I think he was. Uh, he's in some other football league uh, teams, so he's definitely got experience. He's a, he's a really lovely man. He's yeah. perfectly uh, impersonates the qualities of the club, and he's just a really good manager. He's personable. He makes sure the players are understand what they're doing. And yeah, I, I as long as Oxford oh, can keep hold of him, they'll be in a good way. But unfortunately, results like last night will probably get some other teams interested in him. So it'll be a tough job keeping our hands on him. Yeah, but what a lovely, lovely problem to have. And good luck to you in the next round. Um, thanks, guys, for coming on board. It's been a really interesting chat. We'll be back again on Sunday after the Aquiton game, where hopefully we can all be a bit more positive and upbeat. But um, thanks, guys, and we'll speak again soon. Cheers, all. Thank you, Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.